0: From 10-11 now. Play action out of this look. They throw it down the middle field and he overshoots. Wanda Robinson. Oh, it's intercepted. Lane on his back was a Buckeye Okuda at the 5-yard line. And the 10-11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Take the handoff to him. Adrian rolls to the near side. Holding, holding, looking, looking, backpedaling. And we'll go down at the 16-yard line. This is the N Report Podcast. It's Northwestern Week, otherwise known as the week after Ohio State. With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for pulling up the In Report podcast. Dan, yes, the Wildcats are ahead for the Huskers, but I think most of this podcast will be spent looking back as there were several things learned, most of them not so good, about the 2019 Nebraska football team on Saturday.
1: I think the biggest thing uh, taken away from the game as we jump into it is how far away Nebraska is from a program like Ohio State at the moment. Now, Ohio State is on par. We think with Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, uh, those are playoff contenders, teams that are going to be in the playoff. Nebraska is very far behind uh, those teams right now. And, and we see this in college football where the top echelon, those four or five teams competing for a playoff spot, will go and really blow out teams in the top 25. Nebraska's not a top 25 team, but they got blown out by a playoff team.
0: Scott Frost said Ohio State is number one on his ballot. Don't know if that was the case before his team played the Buckeyes, but it certainly is after. Yes, they're good. And I will say that that might be one of the best college football teams I've seen in person since maybe Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma several years back. They are very good. But I think the matchup really was not in favor of Nebraska. The way that the teams specifically line up, and I'm really talking about what happened in the trenches, Nebraska's offensive line got exposed. They're young, they're inexperienced, and they are so far from what Ohio State has. That front, They didn't have to blitz, and they were getting pressure on Adrian Martinez. The front four of Ohio State, those guys, all four of them, might play in the NFL
1: next year. Adrian Martinez struggled, uh, but no. you can... Oh. You can point to his line, and Scott Scott Frost will point to the offensive line. Did did Adrian Martinez struggle against Ohio State? I say absolutely yes, but Scott Frost on Monday,
0: and that's why I stopped you and kind of jumped in here, Dan. Scott Frost on Monday thought it was crazy that he has to defend Adrian Martinez. He doesn't think that he played all that bad. The problem was he didn't think Adrian was put in a position in which he could read a defense and make a throw. Kind of put it on the offensive line that you know there wasn't much of a pocket and he didn't have time to make his reads.
1: Well, Adrian Martinez has the ability to scramble. Um, I know we haven't seen it lately, but he does. As if you remember back to last year, and, and you can elude some of that pressure. Uh, what do you have? Forty-seven yards passing. Total.
0: Total. That should be a. That should be one completion in a game. With this offense and the way that it's been, that it's been described to us throughout the season, they should have a forty-seven yard pass in the game. They had 47 passing yards for the game. They had 10 passing yards at halftime. Then, I'm, I'm not going to say this was a JV football team, but we've been to a lot of high school games where you will see a team that's at the top of the rankings and a team that's at the bottom of the rankings, and the team at the bottom cannot move the football. Strangely, that's what it looked like on Saturday.
1: I'm not going to call it a gimmick because it's not, but the, the I formation or the wing T, bringing Dedrick Mills in for – At fullback and running the option, Nebraska moved the ball right down the field. They caught Ohio State by surprise. Ryan Day needed a timeout. and After that, Adrian Martinez's second uh, turnover of the ball game. But sometimes those lesser opponent teams need to catch the superior teams off, and that's what happened there. Um, But Nebraska couldn't move the ball for a lot of the game. Ten passing yards at halftime? (laughs) It was bad.
0: And and this is really hard to digest and hard to understand because we were told, not to go back on this, but we talked after the Colorado game. We were told by one of the players that this offense is going to score 50 to 60 points per game. I know that that number will probably change when you're playing an elite team like Ohio State. But to not have any points at halftime and to have 10 passing yards for a half
1: I think that was pretty. For 30
0: minutes of football, they had 10 passing yards with a Heisman candidate quarterback and a pretty non-existent running game too. It's hard to describe. So yes, there is a school of thought that wow, Ohio State is just so dominant and so good, and they they're likely going to make the playoff. They could maybe win the national championship this year. But even if that's the case, Nebraska should be able to have more than 10 passing yards and a half.
1: Yes, there is no question about it. And and last year they.
0: So what was it? I think that's the million dollar question.
1: And I don't know that that any of the Ohio players, State is just a lot better at almost every position sure, than Nebraska. Sure. Is. Dan, sure, they're a lot better.
0: But they're not hold you to 10 passing yards and a half better. I mean, I could understand that if you have if you have the New England Patriots playing against Lincoln Southeast High School. When there's that giant of a gap I think it's going to be hard to convince me that Ohio State and Nebraska have that large of a gap. We'll get into some bigger bigger picture things here later in the podcast as we talk about Nebraska comparing these blowout losses to previous years and the hype surrounding the game and some of the deficiencies of this team. But I really, as you look at the stats, they are just staggering to me that they had the offensive struggles that they did. And then defensively, you know, they're not off the hook either. Ohio State did punt. It was the first time that the Buckeyes have punted in Lincoln it's a win. since 20. Rex Burkhead was on the team.
1: So the defense didn't play much better either. Listen, when this offense is predicated on what Adrian Martinez does, and when he is not at his top game, putting it nicely, as we saw on Saturday night, that's what happens. That's the result that you get, an offense that can't move the ball and that turned it over three times with three interceptions.
0: Three interceptions in the first four possessions.
1: I mean, so that, yeah, that's how the exactly. tone was set. And, and we heard all week going into the game that we can't shoot ourselves in the foot. The first play of the game, there's a penalty on Nebraska. The first drive of the game, there's a turnover, an interception. Ohio Which State. Which was a
0: nice play by the defensive
1: line. It was a great play, but interceptions two and three. Tipped pass. Awful Wandale throw. was open. Wandale was open there. Okay. On the second so, one. So the
0: first pick, we're going to say that's not an Adrian mistake. That's Ohio State making a great play, correct? Correct. Interception number two. Wondell Robinson is open. If that pass is completed, there's a good chance he scores. And you've got a 14-7 ball game. Yeah. And we're not going to say that this game changed in one play, but it could have taken on a different tone. Yes. Ohio State still.
1: They still would have won the game. And by, probably, probably by 20-some exactly. plus points. But you're looking at uh, – 56-21 type of game. It's sure. still ugly,
0: but... So, the pass is tipped, and it just happened to go straight to the defensive back for Ohio State, whose back was already on the ground at the five-yard line. So, Nebraska's in a position, even if it falls incomplete, they could still maybe score, at least get points on the drive. Maybe it's a field goal. Interception number three, let's spend a few minutes talking about this. Who is
1: it going to? I thought it was going to Mike Williams. I might be off on that if I remember. The right. Ohio State defensive back even had to dive and make a pretty good catch
0: to grab the ball. It was that far off the mark. It, it was Mike Williams and three defenders. And it was probably, what, 10 yards past Mike Williams? About that. That's the worst throw I think I've probably seen Adrian Martinez make. Practice, pregame, game, everything. It was sailing.
1: The ball was sailing on, on him on, on Saturday night.
0: Okay, so why?
1: Why? Why did this happen?
0: And and this is the reason I ask this question because I think there's a couple elements here. Did it happen because the stage was too big for them? College game day in town, national broadcast, Scott Frost, big time spotlight, chance to really prove the progress that's made. There was a lot layered in there. Or are they really just that far off, Ohio State? I think is there, or, uh, the other way to word that is, or is Nebraska? Just not that far along from where they were two years ago.
1: It can be both. It can be both all of them. It can be A, B, or C there. But if you're no, if no, you're no, no, if no. you're you pinpointing one, Dan, then it's probably B. Think so that Ohio State is is just that much better at this point than I Nebraska.
0: I disagree. And what is yours? I think that Nebraska has not made the strides that some people think that they have. Now, the one exception. Because right now, we're five games into the season, Dan. You can start making your own evaluations. Anybody listening to this podcast that has watched Nebraska football, you can start making your own evaluations. You can strip away the sound bites you've heard. You can strip away our analysis or anybody else that you consume, whether it's in print form, video form, audio form, whatever. Let your eyes be your judge. Five games, you should be able to start to make your own conclusions. The Colorado first half, that looked like a team that could probably win the west and have a really good season. At moments, yes. If you take out that Colorado first half, I'm not so sure that this is anything more than an average to above
1: average team. The when you look at the Illinois game, Nebraska kept shooting itself in the foot with turnovers and with penalties mainly, getting behind the sticks. Again, we saw that on Saturday night, where and I, I'm not saying Nebraska would have won, but it it just seems to me that they just can't get out of their own way. South yet. Alabama, that was a close game. Yeah, against South
0: Alabama, right. Sunbelt opponent, week one. Now, see there when when that game happened. Some people didn't feel too comfortable with the way that the game went, but Nebraska got a win. Wow, we've got some issues to work on. The offense couldn't quite find its footing. How much of that is the pressure? How much of that is, you know, year two still learning? So there's some layered in, I don't want to call them excuses, but some qualifiers as to why Nebraska didn't play at an elite level. Week two, Colorado, you came out looking like a legitimate conference contender. Week three, Northern Illinois, I'm not so sure how, how good Illinois is. Nebraska showed some good play there, but nothing that made me say this is a, an elite team. I would say in that game, they're above average to possibly a, above average plus. Illinois, average. Ohio State, below average. If you level all those out, five games, we're almost at the midway point of the season. So though you maybe said 10-2 at the beginning of the season, 8-4 and four at the beginning of the season. Bill Moose was really onto something. Six and six. We all scoffed at that, right? Most fans scoffed at six and six. Holy moly. Maybe he's just sandbagging here. He's just throwing a low number, hoping to be pleasantly surprised or just setting a bar low enough that this season is deemed a success because you will reach six wins and then anything beyond six is gravy. I really think he probably was the one that spoke the most truth out of anybody. Players, coaches, media, we don't know it as well as the players and coaches do. Because again, we're kind of going off of what's told. And what, what i my point here is what's told is becoming secondary. What is seen is now primary. And what is seen, in my opinion, my evaluation of the Nebraska football team in 2019, it's an average to above average team. I said seven and five at the beginning of the year.
1: Yep. You said seven and five, I said eight and four. They can still hit those marks. Obviously, seven and five probably looks closer to what is going to happen, or even six and six. But when I said eight and four, I knew that they would have to scratch and claw for a lot of those victories. And if Nebraska in these next two games, Northwestern and Minnesota, Big Ten West foes, if you're a fan or a player or frost, you don't care how you do it you got to go 2-0 and these next two games. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not predicting it to happen. But you have to find a way to get to the bye week. And then you reset things. And all of a sudden, Ohio State looks bad, right? But you're 3-1 in the conference.
0: I think I can hear some of the screens screams through my earpiece. There are some people that are clearly disagreeing with us as they listen to this. That, oh, my goodness, you guys are taking this way too far. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to validate that for a second because i think a lot of people at the beginning of the season thought ohio state was going to be a loss anyway. so what's really hurt? Nothing. 3 and 2. i think a was lot of people thought 3 and 2 was going to be where they were at going into the northwestern game. the difference is you're feeling about the team after the 3 and 2 because if they play at the level in which they've displayed in 5 weeks you start to wonder are they going to beat northwestern? are they going to be? Minnesota is unbeaten right now. Wisconsin and Iowa look really good. And now that's where we're looking into bigger picture things. And,
1: and you got to look at South Alabama. Was that an impressive win? No. no. Look at Illinois. Was that an impressive no. win? No. Northern Illinois, yes, a little bit, but we don't know how good they are. That's why
0: I say that Colorado first half. If that is the Nebraska that plays on the back half of the season, you got to feel really excited about the team. It's just Something big be- could happen this year. But right now, whole of the sum, the sum of the parts,
1: five games, some of the parts isn't that great. It's just wildly inconsistent right now, and I feel like nothing is going to change. The the team, as Frost says, they we are who we are. And what and is ra- that? What does that mean? I, I feel like they're. A, he feels like they're a very young team. They don't have all the pieces that they want. At times, we're going to see flashes of how good it can be, a la first half Colorado. And at times, we're going to see that this team still is a long way away from where everybody wants it, a la the second half in Colorado and Ohio State on Saturday night.
0: Okay, so Scott Frost on Monday was asked about the challenge of this job, and is it bigger? Is the challenge greater than what he thought when he was hired a few years ago? Here's his answer. I really thought this was a pretty well-thought-out thought out answer, which I think the question was even asked kind of on the fly. It wasn't pre-prepared. It was just based on the conversation that was happening during the press conference. It was asked by Eric Olson of the Associated Press. Here's Scott's answer. Let's listen really closely to this. It's pretty good stuff.
1: Going into that game, we'd won 7 of our last 10 games, I think, and two of those losses after last night's 7-11 hour to Ohio State. That's a really good team we played. Um, things are coming. You're never satisfied with where they are. You always want it to go faster, but there, I don't think anybody in our building doubts that things are coming and It's going to make it even sweeter when you get there, uh, when you go through these things. So uh, I wouldn't say it's harder than I thought. We knew it was going to be a big challenge, and it has been. But I'm pleased with the progress we made and excited to make more.
0: It's going to be a challenge. Sweeter when you get there. Two key elements of that soundbite, being pretty real about the challenge. Sweeter when you get there. Hope. In optimism. I think that's where Scott Frost uh, really does a phenomenal job of conveying a message, that he, he can be pretty real without being blatantly honest and then being abrasive. Very crafty with his words. But there is that positive tone. The c- Patience. Yeah. You like that song, don't you? Guns and Roses.
1: Oh, yeah. Just a little patience. I thought you were going to go
0: with the whistling
1: part at the beginning. Oh, yeah. That's good. <whistles> All right. It's beautiful. Okay, so the fan base wants it now, right? It's clear that they're not going to get it. So right now, it's like you're stuck in the middle. And we've seen this so many times, talking about the Ohio State loss, seasons like this, under Polini, and Riley and Callahan. And, and you think that Frost is going to get it back, but you're not quite sure. But you also thought at no, one time— No, you think
0: he's going to get it back. You uh, Yeah. Well, for the no. majority of the fan base. Yes, you think I know. He's gonna get it I,
1: you think he is. But those same fans, admit it, at one time you thought Callahan was going to bring it back. And Riley even at one time. And Bo.
0: Riley, after you got on his Wikipedia page and you found out who he was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I get year, your point year two, yeah. uh, right, how many times have we heard this? Just wait until he gets his guys in there. Patience. The same things we're hearing right now. <laughs> we think it's going to happen, but we're not quite sure. And, and Nebraska fans, you know, when you do this rinse and repeat for 15 years, you get tired of hearing about it. And that's where some fans are at that level, where they're just tired of hearing it at this point.
0: Fifteen years. Okay, so, Dan, I have a 10-year-old son. Is he a Nebraska fan? Yes. Is, a, is he a deeply passionate Nebraska fan? No. Because over his 10-year lifespan, what you know what the biggest moment of his fandom is? Jordan Westerkamp catching a Hail Mary pass against a Northwestern team. Neither team was ranked. Yes. It was just a fun moment. It wasn't a, like we're going to get something big and tangible out of this. There was no trophy. There was no launching them into the national playoff picture with that. Well, just like look there, at there, Saturday there a, night. There is a generation coming up, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but I did have this discussion with uh, a few friends on Saturday that there there is a generation that they like Nebraska, but there was no monumental moment where they just felt deeply connected, and it's what everybody – Wanted to associate each other with. You know, like you might see as many Oregon jerseys at the classroom as Nebraska jerseys. It's kind of a crazy thing. I got off the tracks. Sorry about no, that. but, but, well, but to Saturday, your point n- 15, 15 years, yes, that the movie has been on rerun at the theater and the cast changes, but the outcome doesn't. Callahan, Pellini, Riley, and now Frost. And you thought Frost was going to be the sequel, the part two, where it changes. What and did, right now...
1: What did Johnny Rogers tell you after or before the game on Saturday? He said, I just hope we don't get embarrassed. Oops. Well, it, to the point is, that's how far the program has fallen, where you just go out to a game hoping you don't get embarrassed? And and I know a lot of fans. That's a good that, point. I know a lot of fans think that way as well. Well, you know, like if we go, if we just go out there and, and we keep it within two scores, and win the and, game. Yeah, get it, in the mindset of winning the game. But they' but but they just they haven't
0: on these national stages. Sixty-two to three to Ohio State under Riley Pellini. Take your pick. Melvin Gordon rushes for over four hundred yards and sets the NCAA Division One rushing record against you. In the snow. Callahan, count, the countless uh,
1: losses. Ohio, yeah.
0: Oklahoma State against, with Callahan as the head coach. The place was clearing out before halftime. And at that time, that was pretty unprecedented. And now it's almost like it's happening again and again and again. And here's an element of that that I'm going to say. You know, the payroll of the coach has changed over the course of the 15 years, yet you're getting the same result. And that's something we'll let people that are listening to this start to have their own discussions about it. But, you know, if you're going to get a really bad cheeseburger, at the drive-thru window, do you want to pay three dollars for it or ten dollars for it? Three. You're still getting a bad right, cheeseburger. Right. I'm not calling Nebraska a bad cheeseburger, but right now, what well, was Saturday night?
1: It was yeah, a bad it, cheeseburger. It was. So, you know, we going from thirty thousand foot view, you said seven and five, I said eight and four. They're gonna have to scratch and claw to get to those now. But I, I do I am intrigued how they respond to this over the next two months and when I did my top five things that I want to see this year, the number one thing was, the number one was, you might have Colorado and Ohio State circled on your calendar, and rightfully so, but I want to see how this team plays in November against Wisconsin and Iowa specifically. And I think these next two games, even though they're not Iowa or Wisconsin up to that level, they're uh, huge. They're huge. They're Big Ten West teams. And I want to, that's who Nebraska is going to be playing against all these years to come. I want to see how they fare against Big Ten West teams. Here's
0: DiCaprio Boodle talking about where the team goes from here and the road that lies ahead.
1: Two things can happen after a loss you know, you can either um, sit there and, you know, sulk about it and be sad, or you can use the current week as a new opportunity. To erase that and to to make it right, to right your wrongs, so that's what we're doing right now. We're righting our wrongs. Decap had a rough game on Saturday. He yeah, was in the right spot. He was playing against a pretty good quarterback and wide receiver, and especially that last one in the corner of the end zone. I don't know how you defend it any he, better he was, than uh, that. That's what
0: I'm saying. He was right there. I mean, he came Ohio down State with the ball it, with the Ohio, Ohio State, State player, made Right? A really good. Made a really good play. Now, Dan, I'm gonna rewind like three minutes where, to three minutes ago where we were talking about the different coaches, yet the same result. And we talked about this during our 10 o'clock newscast on Saturday, and you asked me a question just kind of about like how is this one the same or different to the games that fans have seen where they're leaving early and it's on national TV and the result is not what Nebraska fans had hoped for. And I was asked the question Sunday night, name a college football program that has had as many, if not more embarrassing, losses on national TV than Nebraska.:
1: Well, it's hard to find one. Um, I don't I, But I,
0: uh, I think Nebraska's the answer. I don't know that there is another one that's been given the stage as frequently as Nebraska over the past 10 to 12 years. It's just' and that yet the, had the same outcome.
1: The national media understands that Nebraska is a blue blood and that it's good for college football and so with game day coming to lincoln that's just a small example of that and and so anytime nebraska is close to being back we're back they're gonna get that six thirty slot seven o'clock slot on prime time and they're not even close to these teams most of the time i mean Polini, we thought he had a and he was doing an incredible job of going into these primetime games and getting blown out. And then Mike Riley came and said, "Oh, I'm going to show you up. I'll show you how it's done to get blown out on a national stage." And now, Scott Nebraska didn't play very many night games last year. None at all. Akron. And, and so you get got this, rained one, out. And then you get this one, and it's it's here we go again.
0: So I think that's one of the more discouraging things. I have friends nationally that don't live in Nebraska that are texting me in the middle of the game they're watching the ABC game of the night and they're just they're kind of making a mockery of Nebraska football that's the national perception so like that that's that's really hard because you hear Scott Frost you look at it from the inside and there's a message of positivity encouragement Scott Frost saying it's going to be sweet when we get there but I think if you look at people outside the state and outside the Big 10 they don't see that. They just see Nebraska as the team that rolls out onto national TV every couple of years, and then
1: and it was always that doesn't y- go well. That year two magic, right? Like Frost is in his second year. You look at what he did at UCF, but other coaches as well: Nick Saban, uh, Bob Stoops, Urban Meyer. These are coaches that came in and struggled in year ones, but then year two, boom. I mean, Saban's year two was phenomenal. They had a great recruiting class. His first one at Alabama was amazing. But this is going to take more time. That is apparent. It just is. It, I, that's what I gathered from this weekend. So is, the, f- the football
0: Saturday night was, was rough. It was bad. Um, and kudos to the fans that... Stayed for all four quarters. There were a number of people that, uh, thousands of people that left before halftime, and you didn't know if they were just getting a head start on the concession stands and would come back. But uh, a lot of them just went to the tailgate and stayed there. They didn't even come back. Good for idea the, for the biggest home game of the season, if not the game total of the season. And it came uh, at the tail end of a very festive day with college game day in town. The rail yard was just electric throughout the afternoon. You couldn't wiggle your way to the bathroom at some of the establishments downtown because there were so many people. It was a blast. It was fun. There was so much energy uh, around town, and that came a day after Nebraska made the announcement of a $155 million practice facility that is going to be uh, built here in a few years. It's going to be awesome. So there's all this momentum, and I just have a question for you. I think I know the answer to this. I'm going to ask it anyway. Would Nebraska have rather in college game day not come to town so they didn't have the spotlight nope. of the, the nature of that loss? No,
1: nope. and I feel like that thought process is ridiculous, that if Nebraska was going to get blown out by Ohio State, they were going to get blown out with game day in town or if game day was in Spokane, Washington. What? Ga- it, game, day ha- game day coming here had no influence on the game in my mind. But it put a lot of eyeballs on the game. That's fine.
0: If this game is 7 o'clock on BTN, there are, there are not as many eyeballs.
1: So what? The Nebraska program has been grounded into the...
0: Has they been- did get a three-hour uh, PR main. I mean, game day did a phenomenal job. I thought it was a really cool show. And you were down there. It was, it was a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, it was awesome, but back to what you're saying. the by if the way, it, by the way under, I don't
0: believe what I'm saying, I'm just asking you a question.
1: If, if ne- yeah, if So Nebraska is as where they are as a program, whether that game is on ABC or on BTN, it doesn't matter, and it's just like, okay, well, the national perception of Nebraska again takes another hit. I get that, but it's so far down anyways right now that it's like take well, the, who take really the cares right? take the publicity let Kirk Herbstreet
0: chum it up with Scott Frost and, and that's you know, what get we heard in the second half and, and this is the other thing of game day being in town being able to have the original sign guy get some tv oh, that time awesome. that's just amazing stuff Jack, Jack Hoffman, Hoffman fantastic Christian Gaylord the nation now knows the story of uh, the tragedy that he is trying to grieve through right now so and and Scott Frost too had the platform to show off the facility the fans and uh, one of the reporters even said he's been a part of the broadcast for college game day for the past eight years he ranks Nebraska's crowd with the energy and the attendance as the best he's experienced
1: it was an awesome three-hour promotion D- give me a,
0: give me a quick story. Like, tell me one thing that you experienced or saw there that you oh, just will never forget. It
1: was it was going behind the scenes. So, they have so many media members um, that they have to take turns going up on the stage and on the set. And that's one thing that I'll I'll never forget is we were down there, my wife Megan and I, and we were walking around, and it's just like, wow, this is incredible. This is an incredible scene, but it was getting. To the backstage and actually being on there with Herb Street and Corso, right there, that was pretty surreal. Where it was just like, "This is this is pretty
0: cool." Where were you when Corso put the Buckeye helmet, the the Brutus, the Buckeye? Helmet? I was
1: back at home. We actually we were down there for the beginning of game day and left about halfway through.
0: And you helped out Bill Shammer, our colleague that uh, did a ton of awesome videos and reports. Uh, throughout the morning just taking everybody there that uh, wasn't a part of college game day but that was a lot of fun what's your favorite sign did you have a favorite sign uh yeah there's a
1: couple of them
0: not suitable for broadcast
1: not suitable for broadcast the one about was it i'm dating your cousin joe burrow or i'm yeah i'm dating joe burrow's cousin or something i just imagine joe burrow waking up and Flipping on College Game Day and seeing a sign about his, but what the heck? Like if, yeah.
0: I like Fairbury High School that plays was a good. tougher that schedule than good. Alabama. A little love for a C one school yeah, in that's Nebraska, awesome. that, and the, like that's they really have good.
1: a segment like the best College Game Day signs, and right. that was one of them. Yeah. So that was that was awesome. So
0: Game Game Day was in town. That was a blast. Uh, the facility was announced on Friday, and uh, they did that right. They had some renderings, and you got to see a little bit of. Uh, what that facility is going to look like. We'll have to touch on that in a later podcast as we're kind of wrapping up this one as we look back at the Ohio State game where Nebraska stands after five weeks in the 2019 season. And then real quick, Dan, let's look ahead to the, the Northwestern game. We've said that this is an important game. This is a series, you know, if you were offered tickets for a Nebraska game at the beginning of the season, of course the natural answer is Ohio State or Wisconsin, or Iowa, but... But the smart answer might be Northwestern, and the reason is, the last two times these schools have played, it's gone to overtime. It's been a hugely competitive series, and Pat Fitzgerald always has his team ready to play Nebraska. This one could go down to the wire again.
1: It's funny, because I'm just imagining telling Nebraska fans when they joined the Big Ten that your most competitive and enjoyable series would be against Northwestern. <laughs> Plan that trip to Ryan Field, oh, baby. That is a fun trip. I was out there last year, went into overtime, as you mentioned. Nebraska lost. They've lost the last two against Northwestern in overtime. But I think, it, I think it's going to be another close game. Uh, really going out on a, on, on a ledge saying that. But I, it's, I don't care how you do it. You've got to win. you just got to win this one.
0: And Northwestern won the West a year ago. Don't forget that. They're 1-3 and three this season. And the one thing about the Wildcats, they'll junk up the game. It may not be pretty. And I think, Dan, that's why I like your analysis of just finding a way to win it. You know, having the perfect game plan and being able to exploit weaknesses, it, Northwestern doesn't like that to happen. They, they just ugly a game up. Uh, their punter sometimes is more involved in the game than a wide receiver. But that's, that's what has worked for them when it has worked for them, if that makes sense.
1: This is a get-right game for Nebraska. And, I mean, Nebraska just needs to take care of itself. They need to snap the ball right. They need to not turn the ball over. They need to not commit penalties. If you do those things and a couple others, you're going to win the game.
0: Nebraska Northwestern, 3 o'clock on Saturday at Memorial Stadium. The Huskers, as Dan says, is going to try to get right. Quick note here Tim Brando is on the play-by-play call, as this is on Fox. And Dan, you know as well as anybody, Tim Brando loves to gush over Scott Frost. He
1: loves Scott, yeah. I remember get ready, ready to that Akron put the game. glasses on. He, he opened up the broadcast with some very complimentary things about Frost. And is he going to keep that tune after what happened a week ago?
0: We'll see. We'll see.
1: All right that's the stage for this
0: week Nebraska Northwestern 3 o'clock at Memorial Stadium. Stay tuned to 1011 for your reports each night on the Huskers of course you can get more contact uh, content on Facebook, Twitter, the 1011 now mobile app and www.1011now.com I had to throw that in there because I get a lot of grief for saying WWw.
1: Yeah that's the first time I've ever heard you say that and that was really weird.
0: www.1011now.com. With Dan, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to the End Report podcast. You've been listening to the End Report podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert. from your Stay up today hour. during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now weather app. Download the 1011 Now weather app for free today.